What's up, everybody? Joe Sib here with my co-host, Anaya Bogue. Rad Parenting. I want to thank everyone for being a part of our journey. 90 episodes today marking our wow. 91st episode. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't even believe that. 90 episodes behind us, Anaya. Very nice. How do you feel? Um, well, I have to tell you, in this moment, I feel... I'm always happy to come in here and do this, but this morning, like, I don't, I have to start going to the Gmail more often. I know you usually are, are like on top of that, but it makes me so happy. Well, I've told you, I mean, I know you're super, super busy, but since I kind of do all the production on the show, um, hence a lot of private people right now are like, oh, is that why it sounds the way it does? Um, <laughs> no. I've gotten pretty good. Remember, I had to learn all that by myself. It's very impressive. It was thrown in my lap yes. in January. Yes. And I had to sit in that room and figure out how to make everything work. But the thing that Anaya is talking about is all of your emails that come in to radparenting at gmail.com. I basically kind of go through everything. And today when Anaya came in, I was showing her some of the emails uh, that you have all written. And Anaya and I started talking and she just basically dove into them. And it's really led to what we're going to do today. We've done this a few times on the show where we kind of just dive into the emails that have been written. And some of them, you, I had you answer right away because yep. there's a few of them that came in in October. And I can't answer some of these questions. I can, you know, a lot of the questions I answer are like, dude, were you really in wax? Yes, I was, you know. In hey, what? Yeah, you no, know, like people, people, when they ask about like my old band. Oh, yeah. You know, or they'll be like, hey, do you still skate? And, you know, I can answer all those. Yeah. But when people are <laughs> ans- asking like real parental questions, and they need an expert like yourself. I kind of always put them in a separate folder. So today you were going through those. Yeah. And I and I and I love the fact that the rad parenting community is so uh, the communication between all of you is so amazing. And I love the fact that you use that email and do that. I can't say it enough. I say it at the end of the show all the time. But think about this for a second. You have access to Anea, who is super super knowledgeable in so many different uh, aspects of raising children, and you get to do it for free. You know, like I'm telling you, the way I met Anaya, I had to write a check. I had to write a check. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. That's how I met you. We, you know, <laughs> we sussed you out, Karen and I. Yeah. Karen had heard about you. Hey, you got to sit down with this woman, Anaya. She can help you guys get through this time that we were going through. Uh, as all parents do, you need a little ex uh, outside help. Yeah. And that was how we got you. And one of the things that I found with doing this show is that it really, you know, you're so, you know you know, so easy with your time coming here Thank and do you. this, mm-hmm. but also these people that are taking the time to write these emails are listeners. And I always refer to it as rad parenting community because it is all over the world, all the over the world. I read emails this morning from New Zealand, from Indonesia, from various parts of the United States, from Canada, PS, thanking me for the Canada shout outs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the thing that, that, kind of came to mind today was with getting these emails. And once again, take take a second, you know, write an email, uh, radparenting at gmail.com. Uh, as much as we have fun on this show, a lot of these emails that are coming in are serious and real questions. There's always, like I said before, the questions of, you know, maybe a little bit simpler mm-hmm. than some of the ones we're going to throw out there today. Mm-hmm. But uh, today's episode is dedicated to you, to all the people that listen to the show. You are what makes this show. One of the things that Anae and I are messing around with, uh, and we kind of are, are talking about when we're going to do it, but I think, um, and, we'll, and you can go to our Facebook page. We want to do a, like a live Facebook chat, and I guess that would just 
us going live here in the studio, and yeah. then everyone could just answer questions or Ask uh, questions. hit us questions. Yeah. Hit us questions across. We'll answer them. It'd be fun. And uh, if that's something that you guys think would be cool, hit us up at radparenting uh, at gmail.com because we don't want to do it if it's just Ana and I. And like my son texting in, hey, right. you look stupid, you know, something like that. <laughs> well, and we'll give you, ad- we'll give some advance warning. So we'll let you know yeah. sort of when it's planned so that you can schedule accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Let us know if us going live on Facebook would be cool. Uh, with all of that said, uh, let's dive into some of these questions. And I'm going to really, a lot of times with the stuff we read from uh, the questions that come in, I've always kind of taken that but today I was so excited the way that you were reading them yeah. and you were laughing you were you were you were just really into it so kind of Anaya take over uh, and and just kind of go through the questions that you that hit you the hardest today okay and this is all from radparenting at gmail.com right and I, gosh I don't even know where to begin like do I bring begin at the top do I begin at the bottom anyway um Okay, so here's here's a good one. Let's just dive in. This is not okay. a, none of these are like there's. It's wonderful because some of the some of the uh, emails are like just want to tell you guys I love your show. Blah, blah blah. That's wonderful to have. Others are like lighter topics or topic ideas, and then some are like really meaty, heavy questions. I so appreciate. Before you we go them in to meaty, can, before we go to meaty, yeah. can you go to like maybe just like something a question a that yeah, that's something that a little, little. I think this one is pretty good. Okay. So this is um, it's the the subject was race and kids, and it's from Sean. Sean Murphy. Can I say that? Can I, I say that? Just the whole did. Name? Sure. What up, Sean? What up, Sean? <laughs> so um, so here's how it goes. Hey guys, question for you. During these trying times where we're seeing racism and hate in the news every day, how can I raise my daughter to be open-minded? Sean goes on to say that, you know, they live in a pretty progressive um, or he that that they live in a in a in an area that's not especially racially diverse. Although that was part of it. And I don't honestly know if Sean is um, I just, I'm not certain if Sean is identifying as male or female. So I'm, I was about to say he, but it could also be she. Got it. So um, she's only, and talking about a 10 month old daughter. So she's only 10 months old, but it makes me think about how she's going to perceive people that are different from her when she gets older. I grew up in a very racially diverse area where I was the minority in my high school as a Caucasian male. They would go, it's, Sean is male. Okay. Um, I knew tons of different people with varied backgrounds, sexual orientations, belief, et cetera. The town my family lives in though is predominantly white and I'm afraid she's going to um, not going to be exposed to different types of people as I was. How can I help educate her on race and diversity so she's a whole human being after she leaves our um, Lily White, New Jersey suburb? Got it. Okay. So, so. Sean's basically uh, super in touch uh, with, uh, is it a son or daughter? Uh, daughter. Daughter. Yeah. It's 10 months old yep. and just like, hey, check it out. Uh, we live in a neighborhood that's predominantly white yep. and I want to make sure there's some diversity in my daughter's life. Right. First right. of all, I love the fact that uh, Sean's already thinking about that. Uh, th- I was just going to say that because I think one of the things, and I've said this before, is I, I think that we sometimes, first of all, because we're just caught up on like that f- first year being so intense. Oh, yeah. Right? It's just like You're survival. buried. You're buried. <laughs> exactly. So the fact that Sean's like, oh my God, I'm underwater, and I want to make sure there's some diversity in our Beautiful. lives as we continue on. Yes. Which, uh, living in New Jersey, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that um, you're not far from diversity at all. I mean, there's so many great places. Exactly. That, that, that would be the first thing that I would say is just like, you know, get on that 95 freeway and just go out and enjoy and, and explore. Yeah. And, you know, obviously at this age that your daughter's at, yep. um, 
you know, she's young, she's not going to really remember, but as you continue uh, with her growing and with Mm -hmm. your family traveling, you're in a great part of the country where there's so much diversity. It's it's not far. Um, So a couple things. One, let me just say, you know, I think throughout our kids' lives, I don't even just believe in like the first five years are the most important, but they are super important in terms of imprinting a child's sense of what does reality look like and how do I feel within that reality? So we will frequently see children who have been exposed to very little diversity. The minute they are, if there's been too many years of that lack of diversity, the minute they're in a diverse situation, they actually feel unsafe. Not because they have big judgments, like that person must be bad, but this is not familiar to me. And so often we as human beings, when we are out of our our familiar, out of our comfort zone, just by virtue of it being strange, we feel unsafe. And if we, then our child is suddenly going to be associating the diversity with that feeling of unsafety. Wow. So that really, is super interesting. So, so really, really important just in terms of like, there's so much even at 10 months that you can do. Like I would be like, go and make sure that there are toys, whether they're, and I'm not saying this because everybody knows, like whether you have a son or a daughter, you know, dolls having like raising children that like, you know, have some interaction with, you know, dolls, like babies, um, like make sure that there are not just uh, like white baby dolls around. Um, and make sure that you are going to places. Like maybe there is a family excursion every month or every week that's you're, you're moving out of your little white suburb and you are going to places where your daughter is going to see more diversity. Even at 10 months, she's taking in information, information and imagery. So, so you're, you're basically, what I just said were, oh, she's not going to remember everything. That's totally wrong. Exactly. I was totally wrong. I'm it's, going on the record. All I in printing. was wrong. I love that idea that even if you can begin sitting, that early. That's right. Because it's going to, even if it's sitting at a, that subconscious level, because everything that we take in is sitting somewhere in our database, right? In, in the back of our brain. And then often it's recalled through feelings that we're like, I'm not really sure where that feeling's coming from, but this doesn't feel safe to me. So you want to create opportunities where she's having um, safe, healthy, positive experience uh, with exposure, simultaneous exposure to diversity in various forms. And then the next level, of course, is for to create opportunities for her to actually have meaningful interaction with people from diverse backgrounds. Um, because then she's got a more personal, um, and especially as she's getting older, um, association with like, you know, oh, my, uh, you know, whatever, my, my, my friend that used to come over and I played, you know, we played and we had fun. You know, her skin was a different color than I was. You know, one of the things I've noticed with my younger daughter is when she talks about kids from school, never does she say, um, this Asian kid or this, you know, Armenian girl in my class. Like she just talks about the kids in her class because I just don't think that she sees those as significant qualifiers. They're just kids. They're just people. And, and what I love about what you just brought up makes so much sense in the fact that if you're 10 months old and you go through your life, okay, so now at three or four or whatever, we're going to expose our son or daughter yeah. to diversity. Yeah. People of diff- you know, d- with different color skins yeah. and different looks and just different body shapes yeah. and everything. Yeah. As it totally makes sense now why your son or daughter would be you know, wide-eyed and be like, oh my gosh, Where like, what's I? this all about? And- then when you're, and then, then of course, as a parent, and I could totally picture, Hey, you know, you need to understand that people are different. And you're saying that this individual would be like, I, I I get that, but I'm associating with being uncomfortable. So that's where the fear comes in. That's right. So if you just 
start at an early age. If Sean starts going road trip, we're going here, we're doing this, we're bringing people into our home, exactly. that their son or daughter is going to grow up with that diversity, even, right. even in this example of living in this uh, white suburb that Sean lives in. That's right. And I think to, to, to there's something you just said there that I want to just also say, I want to tap onto is that it's important and equally powerful to your child's own interactions with a diverse diverse uh, individuals is that they see their parents. So watching the way that you carry yourself and the way that you interact with the same degree of sincerity and respect with people who are different than you, yeah. that will set a bar. That will set a norm for your child. So wow. There it is. I love that. See, Great that's question, why I love Sean. doing this podcast because I came in here and I was like, yeah, they're not going to remember anything at 10 months old. And now the, the exposure that you can start uh, having with your child and it go into that subconscious yeah. starts so much earlier so early. than I know. Yep. Gosh. Yep. All right, um, okay. let's go fire on to another question. Wow. Okay, so let's. Okay, so I'm going to save this next. Go to one, one of our international ones. Okay, yeah, so there was the one about. Um, do the Indonesian dude. The Indonesian one. That likes my analogies. The, oh, gosh, you're so funny. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even so, know this one was in there. Then you read it, and I was yeah, like. Yeah, so my name is Ori, O R R Y, from Indonesia. I have a two year old daughter. My wife emailed you a couple of months ago, and I think that I had some interaction with her, actually. First of all, I want to say thank you for doing the podcast. I've been looking for a parenting podcast that, that are entertaining to listen to while also learning about parenting. Um, this one is especially to Joe. What up, Lori? <laughs> I know you received um, an email telling you to talk less. Well, for me, I love this, Joe. <laughs> one of the main reasons that I choose Rad Parenting over countless other podcasts on iTunes is that you always translate what Anea is saying into something I can understand. <laughs> I am a 29-year-old graphic designer. I don't skate, but I grew up around skaters, always been fascinated by the culture, listened to a lot of punks, read a lot of comics, and still do. Sometimes I find it hard to understand what Anea is saying, but you always explain it in this dude and bro language and examples that are easier for me to understand, especially the band analogy. My wife is the opposite. She's a psychologist and she relates more to Anea. Wow, this is like the ideal listening couple for me. I was just going to say, this is what we based our show <laughs> oh my on. Gosh, this it's couple. So, good. Um, so it's nice to be able to listen to the Okay, so uh, and accommodate both of our point of views. Keep up the good work. Okay, I have a request for Rad Parenting. Could you guys please do more episodes about bullying? It's a topic that. Um, my wife and I have been struggling with. We both had really bad experiences with bullying. We want to be prepared. Um, and uh, he goes on to say that his wife is actually working on a bullying program, which, you know, kudos to her. That's really important for, for yeah. you know, parents to be getting involved at the on the front lines. I know you did an episode about that, but I would really it would really be helpful if you could do more um, and dig really deep into it. It would also help the kids at my wife's work. Okay. Can I, can I ask you a question? You know, sure. we did an episode on bullying and, yeah. and one one of the best things about rad parenting that I like is that we can always revisit these topics. Yes. Which in this case sounds like we could do another version yep. or another like show. A, a full show on that. Another episode. I you know, I need to ask you a question. Just when he was writing that, I started thinking, bullying. Mm -hmm. You know, this has been going on our our mm -hmm. you know, since I was a kid, mm -hmm. you were a kid. What where does where does the bullying really stem from? to get the child 
that comes to school or comes to the park or whatever to bully the other children? What's the what's the emotion like? How does that happen? And how how are there like kids? Yeah. That um and and I don't want to I I can only use my own son. Yeah. You know the other day he he got in the middle of a fight. Mm. There was a fight at the skate park. Okay. And he came home. And he told me this kid got his nose broken, uh, and I said, "What happened?" He goes, "These two kids, they started going at it, Dad, and you know, before I knew it, they're fighting each other." And I'm like, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, and I got right in the middle. I told him, no way, you got to stop." And the other kid, and I go, "You got in the middle of it." Now, I was, it was a weird thing for me because I was like, as his father, mm-hmm. I was like, "Dude, you get in the middle of a fight before you know it. You know, you're in the fight. You know." But I said, "You know, hey, man, you got to remember." Um, when you you know as soon as you step in, uh, maybe it would have been better if you went and got the guy that runs the skate park. And that's to come especially over. sensitive for you, given you know you have a friend I know that stepped in exactly. at one point. Exactly. Yeah, very, one of my very... best. Yeah, you know what? One of one of my best friends was stabbed and, and died. died. Yeah, it getting ter- in the middle was, of a fight. Got, yeah. And it was and it was racially motivated. Yeah. You know, he was at a party late night, and uh, and this uh, skinhead. He brought a, a, a friend, African-American kid with him. They were hanging out, and all night long, this guy kept saying stuff. And finally, my friend said, hey, enough's enough. And the guy, you want you got a problem with me? He goes, what are you talking about? And they went out on the front lawn, and the guy pulled a knife out. And, they, he, and, and my friend was like, what are you doing? And yeah. went to like go put the knife away. And it was a classic, slipped on grass, whatever, and uh, literally got stabbed. Oh, died. Yeah, yeah. Know, he was 20-something years old. It was, and it was a tragedy. Yeah. So for me, you know, I see a little bit of my son in my friend. Yeah. But going back to my question is how how does the bullying child, I guess the word I'm looking for, it grow into that child? Yeah. Is he bullied at home? I honestly think it's fairly it's a fairly simple answer. Okay. Um, that doesn't necessarily have a simple solution. Okay. So I believe that the simple answer is that we Every human being, you know, comes onto this planet um, and there are, you know, just like we know that babies who don't get enough touch, like just touch, never mind regular overt expressions of love, okay? Just touch, a child will not survive if they do not have enough human touch, okay? Um, so that to me speaks to what is necessary for a human being to grow into a healthy, whole um, uh, you know, kind, I mean, I could, I could go on and on, um, human. And so we long for that sense of affirmation, of being seen, of being cared about, of being heard. And when you have a child who for one reason or another, and sometimes it's in spite of parents' really good intentions, there's a specific kind of affirmation or whatever that the child needs in order to, to feel that love and, and, and grow in a healthy way. Um, I think that it's, it's, there's other kids that just, you know, have parents who also have a history of not being appropriately cared for and loved and, and they don't know how to do it. And, and in addition, there's a lot of wounding that happens to those parents who were once children, who were also the subject to say their own parents bullying or neglect or, you know, cruelty or whatever. Um, and so those are the more extreme cases that we see, but on just on the day to day, like I think probably when when most parents are talking about like the bully on the playground, while it might be a kid that comes from a house where there's a lot of neglect or abuse or whatever, I think it can you know also be a kid who just 
desperately wants to feel seen and heard and loved and like they matter, um, like they're, they're, you know, a lot of kids move around with really poor self-esteem because they're not high enough performing academically and they start to feel bad about themselves. And our tendency is to act out on that because it's so contrary to what we want and need to feel when we come onto the planet. Is that so, where the term labeling comes from, where they say uh, if you label a child early on as a troublemaker, like if a teacher or is the shaming, oh gosh, yes. you're always getting into trouble, you know, yes. you're the guy, you know, and, I, and I've heard over and over that you, you can almost label a child to become the bully. Yes. Where they're like, that's my, that's, that's my, who I am. That's my card. That's, that's what I, right. that's who I am. Yeah. And, and I think, well, because I think that we are, you know, when we move through the world, our growth and development has to do with the interactions that we have you know, with other, other people, with what we see through media, what we watch other people doing around us. And so I, my personal belief is that most people who come on are good and they want good and they want to be kind and they, they want to feel happy. And when they're behaving quote unquote badly, it's because some, some part of that is not, has not, is not happening for them. And so a, a kid that acts out in a classroom is probably frustrated that he or she feels stupid or that feels kids laughing at them because they don't understand what's going on with the math that's happening on the And then board. the pushback is that negative energy. That's right. Exactly. So I'm going to play, I'm going to be that person. That's right. I might not be able to get the math homework, but I, I will get, and, and it's almost, maybe the bullying is, is gratifying in a sense, like I'm good at it. Well, I'm yes, at, there certainly could be that. I mean, I think I think anytime you're talking about human be behavior, it's really complex. But certainly, well, at least I'm getting attention, right? So for a child, for example, who's not getting a lot of attention at home, at least when I be, act out, I'm getting attention. Somebody's seeing me, somebody's hearing yeah. me. Um, and then I also think it's like almost like um, when we have big emotion, it needs a place to go. Like it either manifests into disease in our bodies in various forms, or it 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 gets put out into the world. And um, you know, it's sort of that saying like misery loves company. It's like if I'm going to be hurting this much, somebody needs to be hurting with me. And I don't even know that it's necessarily that conscious, but it's like you know. So I think the biggest thing is we need to have compassion and understand that this kid would like to be a happy child who has friends and is interacting in a, in a healthier, more positive way, either doesn't know how, um, uh, probably doesn't understand why he or she feels the way that they do, because this often starts in a, at a young age, and, and low self-esteem, low self-value, I don't feel good about who I am, I don't feel loved, I don't feel seen, that's usually the core of the problem. Um, and so we, where, especially in this country, I feel like when people behave badly, the, the first course of action is punitive. That is to me the default, and it's a big mistake in this country, that instead of saying what might be behind this child's behavior, not in an excusing, we're not being like, oh, well, I understand, like, you know, your parents are, you know, working all the time, or your parents, you know, whatever, are not being kind to you, and so I guess that's how it goes. It's not, it's still holding that child accountable, but it's holding them accountable with a sense of compassion and a, a genuine curiosity of what is prompting you to behave this way because I believe you would be happier if you could behave in a way that is more positive, more kind to others.
Yeah, I and I, and just as you're speaking right now, I I know that we we could do a whole episode for on sure, this. and I think we can safely say we're going to come back and do absolutely. Another. But I got, just before we go to our break, because we got to take a break really quick. Uh, I just if a parent was listening right mm-hmm. now and their son or daughter, their child is dealing with bullying right now at this moment, yeah. they're like they're in it. They're like, oh my gosh, Anaya yeah. Joe, you guys are touching on a topic that I am dealing with right now. What would be the f- one thing that you would say to them now? I would, I would say that you want to help your child understand that there is probably a something hurt or, or, or broken in the child who's doing the bullying. And we, A, we need to come from a place of compassion because we want to grow that compassion in our child's heart and it's a much uh, more healthy perspective to come from. But also engaging that compassion through that perspective will also is also extremely important so that your child doesn't say, this must be about me, right? So the minute you put the focus on the bully and say, something has gone wrong with this child, they probably don't have the same stability or the same love at home. Um, at least the child's not like, well, this means there's something wrong with me because the victims of bullying often become like their self-esteem starts to get damaged really quickly. And we want to prevent that because then we just have one more kid with low self-esteem who, who's going to act out in a particular way. Great answer, Anae. I love that. Hey, we're taking questions uh, from the Rad Parenting community. We do this uh, every, I'd say, couple of months with the podcast. Uh, you can always send your emails to radparenting at gmail.com. We're going to listen from our sponsor. We'll be right back after this. Rad Parenting, we are back. Joe Sib, Nabog, hanging out, taking questions from you. Radparenting at gmail.com. I want to remind you too that we started an Instagram. I know, it's crazy. We've got Instagram. We're up to like 200 followers. And I'm telling you right now, you have to follow us so that Anaya and I can go to our children's face because uh, we, we have a 20, what, 21-year-old and I've got two teenagers and they're already saying, Dad, I got more followers than Rad Parenting. Yeah, Help us <laughs> rub it in their face. No. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But I'm surprised we already got almost 300 followers. That's pretty impressive. Nice, because this is new for us. It's super new. So go on Instagram, Rad Parenting. You can also go to our Facebook page, hit a like on there. And as we said at the beginning of this particular episode, we will be doing a live Facebook chat, Anae and I, and you'll be able to ask, ask questions. Let us know if that is something that you would tune into. Uh, and uh, you can email us that. Like, hey, you know what? If you do a Facebook chat, I would definitely be a part of that because you could ask questions. And um, it'd be super fun to do. Uh, all right, let's get back into the questions that we're taking right now. Uh, so far, two super great uh, questions, questions right there. Yeah. I feel like that, you know, just we touched on, it's like, I feel like today's show is like, it's like an hors d'oeuvre, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's like chips and salsa. It's like Chips and salsa, nice. Yeah, yeah. Did you know I had chips and salsa at my wedding? No. Yeah, when Karen and I got married, um, we had uh, chips and salsa because on our first date, uh-huh. we went to this restaurant on Sunset Boulevard called El Compadre. Uh huh. And I and we're you know we're sitting there we're eating and you know I love Mexican food and we're just we're eating chips and salsa and and I guess on our first date I said to her, man, when I get married, I I totally have chips and salsa at my wedding <laughs> because I'm always hungry when I'm at a wedding and there's no food. Oh my God. And when we got married. Karen was like, you remember when you said that? You know, and I was like, yeah. She's like, let's do that. But the thing that was funny, we also had margaritas at our wedding. Uh-huh. And because of the crew that came to our wedding, they were supposed to wait for the margaritas and chips and salsa till after we got married. But that started from the moment everyone walked in. So at our wedding, there's photos 
and everyone has a margarita glass in their hand while we're getting married. Love it. Yeah. Love it. How long, I want to know how long between that first date and your wedding? Seven years. Okay. Kudos to Karen. Seven years. She was really paying attention on that first date. Yeah. Well, we'd always talked about it because, you know, we went to weddings ourselves and I'd always be like, gosh, man, there's nothing to eat. I think they should serve alcohol before the wedding. She's like, who does that? I'm like, I don't know. And then when we got married, that happened. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. I remember everyone walking around with margaritas. It's great. Okay. All right, let's dive into uh, radparenting at gmail.com. We got time for another question. Yeah, I want to do, I'd like to do two more. Do we have time for two more? Yeah, absolutely. So this one is... Are we going heavy? Uh, no, we're going to save the heavy one for the for the end, okay. I think, if that's cool. So uh, this one is uh, from Jessica Simpson. Uh, not, I don't think, Jessica Simpson of the gigantic fame. <laughs> yeah. I think this is another Jessica Simpson, but I, I don't, it's, there's no indication of where she's from. So Got it. Jessica, if this is you, thank you so much for your email. Um so Jessica, basic, her question is basically, um, you know, she's, thank you for all the wisdom and insight. I'm hoping you might consider doing a podcast on how to handle it when we catch our kids being dishonest. I have two daughters. One is six. The other is three. My six-year-old makes up stories all the time. A lot of the time they are harmless. She tells me about something that did, um, did not happen or a story that she made up. However, sometimes she is dishonest about something important. I feel like I'm having a hard time trusting her to tell me accurate information about school or friends. I've talked to her about how important it is for us to be able to trust each other, how I won't be mad at her if she tells the truth, but so far I don't feel like she gets it. Okay. I want to be sure we build a solid foundation for trust as she's growing up. How can I foster her sense of honesty? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think everyone's dealt with that. So yeah. And I, and we did do one episode on uh, fairly early on about, um, about why kids lie and that sort of thing. But what I would say, um, here, and it's interesting because on one hand, you know, Jessica, your daughter is showing clear signs of just like the, the beautiful and layered and multifaceted imagination that children have. And, and, and it's very easy for them without meaning to do harm to blur the lines of their rich inner world and, and all the things that are possible. And we do not want to snuff that out. We don't, we don't want to make that go away. We want to encourage it like, oh my gosh, anything. Because to me, that's the foundation for future creativity in whatever form it needs to take. Even the basics of like goal setting in your life or creating your own path um, or, or, you know, being the author of your own story, being able to tap into things that maybe don't yet exist in the world and imagine how your life would be without them. So those are really important things. And I think affirming that, but clearly defining that those stories, those beautiful imaginative stories that come through our minds that we might want to share with the world um, that, that, that is, is different and maybe is called like storytelling, or I love how rich your Im- imagination is. These stories are amazing, but expressing how important it is that when it comes to telling the truth about things that happen outside of her inner world, um, that that's really essential, not only for building a foundation of trust, which my guess is at six, your daughter just does not understand. Like those, that's too complex for her to understand like, oh, my relationships might be compromised by me not telling the truth. So you need to give really um, tangible examples for her. And I would say that the, the next time that you catch her in, in a, in a lie, that you talk through the consequences, you may even fabricate consequences in the sense that, <laughs> in the sense that you would say, um, 
you know, I, I don't know that I can, I can, I, I don't, I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe you. And I would really like to be able to give you such and such, but I can't yeah. because last time you, you know, like I, I'm not doing, I'm, I'm having a hard time pulling. No, I know, just, you're basically, I, I'll, I'll jump in here really quick. Please. Two things. When I was a kid, I was full on, uh, I don't want, I don't want to say liar, but, uh, I was full on, you know, when the classroom conversations would go around and kids would talk about even what'd you do on the weekend? Yes. You know, one kid would say, you know, we did this and we do that. You know, I had no problem saying like, yeah, 49ers uh, met, met uh, Joe Montana, threw the ball around with him. And uh, my dad, uh, you know, he used to be a wide receiver. So he knows those guys and, and kids are like, are you serious? Totally. You know, and I'm in second grade, third grade. And even at a young age though, I learned um, I learned like how far I could push it mm -hmm. with it being believable and yeah. to the point, even with people's faces, like the teacher and the students, like, okay, I've got all the kids on mm -hmm. my side, but now Mrs. Croft, I can't believe I remember her name. Uh, she's giving me a look of like, your dad was a wide receiver for the Oakland right. Raiders. And then I'd be like, well, you know, uh, I'm sorry, not wide receiver, you know, um, he, you know, he knew some of those guys, you know? So I yeah. kind of learned that. And I remember as a kid, it just and and I and and I think this because I can remember it. I just didn't have anything else going on, and it felt good to say that which, I had something going on. Which is an interesting and I tie. Liked, I liked everyone, you know, giving me feeling maybe, like you were special. Maybe it goes back to that, um, just getting that extra like thing, you know, like yep. there was, and even at that young age, you go, wow, you know, okay, everyone thinks this or that. Um, now shifting to parenting, yeah. Uh, when my daughter was super young. She had the same, you know, thing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then my wife and I, much like this listener, were like, wow, you know, what what could we do about this? And we started getting nervous, you know, because sure. you're like, is this going to be, you know, are they going to yeah. be the, are they going to, and I hate using this word, are they going to be the liar? Are they going to be the liar? Yeah. And I'll tell you how it all ended. She got caught in a lie. Yep. And then she got caught in another one. And then she got in a color one and it really just worked itself out. She, at this point now, you know, she's a teenager, 16 years old. Yeah. She'll joke about it and go, dad, remember when, you know, she yes. says, she called, I forgot what year it was, like fourth grade, fifth grade. She's like, oh my God, remember when I was doing that? And, 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 and it worked itself out because what ended up happening was her friends just basically called her out on it mm -hmm. and it ended as much as we said, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Even as when I was a kid, I remember when it all ended for me, one of my best friends, I used to have this thing that I did as a kid, just kidding. I'd say something really crazy. Yeah. Hey, dude, the whole the whole the, the studio's on fire. Are you serious? Just kidding. Hey, this is going on. Just kidding. I I called one of my best friends and said, I'll never forget. It. I called him up and said, Hey man, check it out. My dad got tickets to the um Super Bowl and and he wants to know if me and you want to go. And the kid was so excited, he hung up the phone and went and asked his parents. And then when he called back and said he could go. I said, just kidding. And he didn't talk to me for like three weeks. He was my best friend. Wow. And I'll tell you right now, yeah. that, the just kidding. My yeah. dad used to call it the just kidding era. Yeah. He yeah. goes, Joey, you got to stop that. And I wouldn't listen to him. And yeah. then finally, there when my best friend said, I don't want anything to do with you, dude. Yeah. I, my dad got mad at me because you. I asked him if I could go. Yeah. They started looking into flights. I mean, you really, and I, yeah. and I remember at that moment, I was like, that phase of my life is, is over. over. And I was yeah. in sixth grade. Yeah. The just kidding thing. So for this particular um, question from our listener, uh, I, I, do you feel that it does work itself out with with 
a friend saying, hey, you know, you stretched the truth a little bit. I don't believe you. I, I think it probably has to be much more serious than that. Okay. Like I think that, so, uh, and I think I said this when we did the episode early on, my daughter, my youngest daughter, we took away her seventh birthday party. Oh, dude, I remember when yes. you said that. Because it we, it had been an ongoing thing and she literally stood in front of both of us, like just bold face lying. And we even were like, this is your last chance or blah, blah, blah. And she couldn't, couldn't reel <laughs> it in, couldn't come back from it. And so she lost her party. And while I would say that I'm pretty sure I I can't say there's been like zero lies. There's no question that it had a significant impact, a memorable impact. Wow. And so it may take that kind of like whatever would be a serious consequence for your child. And that's really what I was getting at. Like even, you know, and if you want to get there sooner, wow. you may need to fabricate something. And the other thing is so you can start, start with the small stuff first, wow. get a story like the boy who cried wolf or a parallel, you know, story, parallel message. The boy who said he had tickets to the Super Bowl. That's right. <laughs> and 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 start reading those those books so that your kids understand in a context that is accessible to them why it's problematic and what the difference is between, you know, getting lost in your imagination and sharing stories and that it it doesn't make them not rich and wonderful to share that they're not just because they're not true. So yeah. you're still validating um, and then the separate thing is like, here's lying, here's why it's not acceptable, here's yeah. what the consequence will be. And you do that through story and then you ultimately do it through real life situations that you're going to probably have to play hardball with. S sidebar right now. And I know, I know people are thinking the same thing I am because how did you follow through with canceling it was seventh hard. Uh, seventh birthday. Seventh birthday. It was, you know, because I would me, get all the way up to the fence, like yeah. we're not doing it, we're not doing it. And then I, yeah. I would buckle. How did you not? It buckle? because it had, and believe me, and like even now, I'm like, are, are we going to be like in therapy at some point? <laughs> She's going to be like, what were you guys thinking? No, um, it was. It had become so dire. Like we had tried so many wow. things, and I really did get to the point where, like, for the same, you know, just as Jessica's saying, like. As your kids get older, that foundation of trust is going to become imperative. Like imperative for their well-being, imperative for your ability to sleep at night. Yeah. Like you do not want to have to like be constantly wondering. It's crazy making. I love I love the fact that you held to it. Yeah, Karen we did. and I Karen and I I feel and I and I and I know some of the people listening right now are might be airing towards my side of the of the story because yep. because I have declared so many things we're canceling this we're not doing that when they were younger and then I would just you know buckle and before I know it whatever I said we weren't gonna do okay you promise you're not gonna do that again one last thing with lying and th this sure. is actually a funny story uh, was when my son Nate was like probably three or four right um, he uh, was at the house and somehow or another he took a pair of scissors and he cut a hole in the drapes. Right, and it was like a, it was a real hole. It was like, just decided like, <laughs> hey, any particular and he reason? followed the pattern. No, he just followed the pattern. Wow. And then when I came home, I, you know, when we came home, we said, hey, Nate, you know, the scissors are right there still. The piece of the, the drape, you know, it was a big piece, is laying on the floor, and, and and the scissors are there. And you know, we we know that we know that he's done this. And I said, hey, Nate, who uh, I got to talk to you, buddy. And he goes, yeah, what? And I go, who cut the hole in the drape here? And he goes, yeah, Alexander did that. And I go, Alexander from down the street? Wow. And he goes, yeah. And he just walks away. And then I go and I go, Nate, buddy, so you're telling me Alexander cut the hole in the drapes? And I go, and, I, and I'm like, okay, I know he's lying. Yeah. And then this is what I did. I go, 
I go, I'll get him. I'll, I'll get him to admit it. And Karen's there and we sit him down and I go, so buddy, check it out. I'm going to go down to Alexander's house right now. And because he cut the hole in the drapes, I'm going to have to talk to his parents and him. <laughs> and Nate just goes, yeah, yeah, you probably <gasps> should. You probably- <laughs> yeah. So then I go, I look at Karen and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what am I doing here? So then I go, all right, I'm going to open the door. And I, I have no intention of going down there, but I leave and I go, okay, when I, I'm going to come go back, in the back and there's going to be crying going on and that Nate's, so, you know, and I walk yeah. into the house and Karen's looking at me and Nate's just playing with his Legos. <laughs> and I go, hey, dude, I, I, buddy, I just went down and I oh spoke God. to Alexander and I spoke to his mom and Nate goes, yeah, man, I bet you he's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I... I finally, You're like, our son is a sociopath. Yeah, I finally realized, you know, and, you know, he was so young, but we still joke around oh about that. That he just held gosh. to his, because in his head he was like, "Yeah, I didn't do that. Alexander did," and that's the way that goes down. And it was just, it was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh, can't even comprehend." My goodness. So there you go. Okay, so it can be a total uphill climb. Oh yes. my gosh! All right, last okay, question. Last one, and this one is this one is really heavy. Okay, but it's I think it's important, and that's why I'm including it here, like okay. as opposed to doing a whole show. I believe that we've touched on the subject of death and talking to kids about death, and and we I, did. I, we did an episode. Mommy, are you gonna? Mommy, are you gonna die? I think that's the title. Okay, of it. so here's the. This is from um, I I uh, from a, a person named Victoria. And uh, this is the email. Um, hey guys, okay, so topic I was curious to see if you'd be interested in discussing on the podcast. It's a bit dark, a bit deep, but I know it would definitely help me. I'm sure many of our other listeners could benefit it from get benefit from it at some point in their life as well. My children are um, uh, five and eight. Uh, a boy and a girl. My mother passed away due to suicide last January. My daughter was like her sidekick, literally stuck to her Nana like glue. She has gone through the grievance period quite beautifully in her young age. However, she continues to ask, how did Nana die? I know my avoidance to answering this question was definitely not helped, uh, has not helped her. And I hope it doesn't pull her away from asking more questions in life. I really need some guidance on this one. Any suggestions? I talked to her about everything we are super close. This is just one of those super touchy subjects for me. And I just don't want to ruin her image of my mother or accepting that suicide is normal. Help. Wow. Yes. Okay. So let me first just make a sort of a general statement about where I think we are going, we are going wrong with the whole subject of death. Um, Once upon a time, within probably our grandparents' generation even, it was very common for multiple generations to live in one house, for babies to be born at home, for children to therefore be privy to the experience of new life coming into the world and also the experience of life leaving the world um, as people would die at home. All under the same roof. Yes, exactly. And the beauty of that was that there's... It, it, it exposed them to the the potency of the the cycle of life. Um, there is no like life is not if we could live forever and there was we never faced the possibility of death. Life could would not be have the same richness. It wouldn't have the same importance. It wouldn't have the same like oh my gosh I have to make the most of my time here because there is no limited time. It's like going on vacation. Okay, we've got ten days in Hawaii. What do we want to do? We have to make the most of this. Whereas if you're at home for ten days, you're like you know just kind of in your routine and doing whatever. So, so the first thing I'm, I'm, I'm essentially saying is there is no getting our kids to really embrace the beauty um, of life 
if we don't also have some conversation or experience. And what you're that. saying is, is that because the life has changed, grandma and grandpa don't live at the house. You That's know, my right. dad grew up with his uncle's, you know, uh, Italian family and yep. his uncle Pepe lived there and his aunt Mary lived there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the, the young, um, I think, you know, people, his, uh, another aunt that, that got married, you know, his uncle, they live there. Yeah. Everyone lived in the same house. So, you know, they, he had a wide variety of people that were living underneath the roof. So what you're saying is, is you're seeing, you know, so-and-so's getting older. Yep. I'm dealing with grandpa. Yep. He's older. Mm-hmm. And I'm dealing with my newborn uh, nephew or whoever that's living in the house. Yes. Uh, and and we all live under the same roof. Yes. So I'm getting, a, I'm getting a glimpse of life. Whereas right now in my household, in your household, yep. uh, we just, it's it's our family. Yep. And, and I love my mom and dad. So yeah, yeah, exactly. When somebody dies, we just never see them again. You know, they're just sort of whisked away. All Almost going back to the very beginning of the show where you talked about diversity, mm-hmm. and you're almost saying that the diversity of old and young and life e- and exactly. death doesn't exist exactly. in a lot of the households that we live in now. Exactly. We don't want to see things that are not pretty. We don't want to see dying in its various forms, so sickness, true. whatever. So true. So, so, there's, so there's part of that, I think, um, I think, Victoria, like just to understand that for a lot of people, you know, and I understand that suicide kind of takes us into another, another category, but I think it's really important important that we talk about death as a part of life and that we we not objectify things to the extent that you know so this your daughter's um relationship with her nana transcends her nana's physical presence in her life she has memories of her nana the things they did together the ways in which that her nana's interaction with her nana would have have touched her heart and and uh, impacted the way she sees the world and so on and so forth so when it comes to suicide specifically, um, I think that, you know, first of all, and I think Victoria is getting a sense of this, like not answering your child's questions when they know like there's something more here. It's always, in my opinion, better to say, I really want to talk with you about that. Like, I love that you have these questions and I don't, I just don't feel equipped to, but I'm going to work on that and I'm going to come back to you and we, we are going to talk about it um, because the the alternative of just, I know my kid is curious, they're asking questions, I'm avoiding those questions or I'm giving them untrue answers is going to lead your child to mistrust their own insides and we don't want that to happen. Our kids' in- instincts or intuition are a fundamental protective mechanism that they have with them at all times. And especially with their parents, because of course, especially when parents lie to their kids, your kids believe that if no matter what anybody else on the planet is doing, their parents who love them more than anyone are going to tell them the truth. So if, if what you're saying is not resonating with their instincts, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, oh, well, my instincts must be wrong because my parents wouldn't lie to me. My parents would not tell me the truth, whatever. Okay. All that being said, with the with specifically with suicide, the way that I would approach it is I would say every life is precious and every life belongs to the person that 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 owns that life. And sometimes people um, happen to move through the world in such incredible pain. For some people, it's physical pain because they've gotten extraordinarily sick. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm calling to mind, you know, the woman whose family specifically moved to Oregon when she had brain cancer so that she would have, they have right to die laws there. She'd be able to take, you know, whatever the, you know, cocktail was that yeah. was going to allow her to take her own she'd life. Be able to, she'd be able to call it on her it's own terms. On her terms. own terms, Got exactly. It. And not be subjected to Absolutely. ongoing agony, right? 
So I would introduce it with that, but, but with the emphasis that life is precious and that it's it's important and that we want our kids to know that, you know, rarely will there be a problem that there is not a solution to, that the sun is going to come up and that as long as you are breathing, you have the ability to try to create change if something is not feeling right and not or not working right. However, for some people, when it comes to physical illness that is extreme or mental illness that is extreme, sometimes the pain is so great that that person will choose to take their own life. And um, my pers- my personal experience, I have had. Um, very, very little like direct, like close experience with suicide. But I sort of developed a feeling a long time ago that our desire to go on living is so great. I don't just mean desire like intellectual or emotional desire. I mean that life force energy is so potent when you think about what human beings have come through, right? The, 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 the resiliency, the, 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 just the, the life force the, 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 the desire, the will of the life force to continue, let's put it that way, is so great that for, for a human being to be in a position where the, the physical pain or the emotional, mental pain is so great that it would push back against that fundamental thrust to live, that it, it must be more than I could possibly imagine. And who would I be to say that they can't put an end to that if they so choose. And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting that you have as honest a conversation as you can with your daughter, Victoria, and speak about your mother's extraordinary pain and the difficult choice that she had to make to, ch- to take her own life. Um, and that you want your daughter to never feel like she is alone or that there are not other options or that you would ever not be there for her so that she understands that her Nana may have felt like there was nowhere else to go. There wasn't a person to go to. Um, and I, I would go there and just come from a really deep place of compassion that what must it be like for a person to be so in so much pain that they'd have to take their own life? And that's what Nana's reality was. Um, that being said, back to the death, the death topic in, in a more general sense, Nana is with us always. Yeah. Like there are moments do where you, she wasn't in pain and yeah. she shared beauty in your life. And let's 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 come up with ways that we can remember that. Do you, do you think though, one of the things that runs through my brain when whenever these conversations have come up and and and, and we're we're kind of leaning more we did the episode on death, but I think with this particular question, and, and it's so heavy with with suicide involved, is that do you, is there any is there any fear in in your mind that if you allow a small child to hear about the option of suicide, that they may have that seed planted in their head that that that's a possible solution to a scenario if it gets bad enough? Um, do you understand what I'm saying? I do understand because I'll saying. be honest with you. Like when a when a small mind is that that's that that's always been my not now with my children because they're teenagers but when they were yeah. little and and something um, like suicide would come up because they'd hear about yeah. it and they would ask me I was always so like I just don't want to throw that option into their yeah. little brain right now yeah and I don't so so and, and I know you always say uh, what's the term you use the conversation appropriate for age. Oh, age, age appropriate. Okay. Like, you know, so that might be my answer right there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, ha- you know, your own, you know, your own child. I 100% hear your fear. Yeah. And, and that's just me. I don't. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I know, I think it's real. And I think it's, I think it's legit. Like, okay. I think that, okay. you know, especially for a parent to, um, 
to say, okay, what about when my kid moves into adolescent and they're like adolescents and they're the, the feelings are big and the decision-making is uh, like limited. Um, what if, and I would say that having a difficult conversation like this will open a, a whole new safe, like line of like, oh my gosh, we can even have that conversation. Because if your kid ends up being one of those children who is struggling significantly in their adolescent years, you definitely want to have had conversations that set a foundation for them understanding, I can go to my mom or my dad about anything and I'm in pain. And, and, and it's also important that like, I mean, if there's a history of mental illness, like it's important that your child without having like, oh my God, is that going to happen to me? That they understand that if they see signs of that, that they need to not hide it or tuck it away and not want to, like, you know, not want to say anything to anybody. They need to put it on the table so that the people around them that love them can get them the support that they need. And you don't have a family waking up going, I had no idea my kid was so depressed and would actually take his or her life, right? Yeah. It's always a good rule of thumb that bringing things out into the light through conversation, age appropriate, as you know, as I've always said. That right there is key, age appropriate. Um, is, is always going to, or is more times than not going to yield the outcome that we want as opposed to communicating to our children that there are topics that are off limits that they then are either going to seek answers to elsewhere with people that are less responsible and less caring about their well-being than you as, as their parents are going to be, um, or just going to stuff it away and, and think there's something wrong with them, that they're thinking about it. Bring it out into the light. It's always okay to say, I need some help with this one. That's a big question. Go and do the research, shoot us an email, whatever, and and then come back and 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 put it on the table and sit and look at it and talk through it with your child so that they are going to keep coming to you and having a solid um, source of guidance to, to to get through. Man, great answer, great episode. Gotta say, this has been one of my favorite episodes. Just Yay. to recap really quick, we talked about diversity. Yeah. Uh, we talked about bullying. Yeah. We talked about lying. And then we ended it with death. And we touched on suicide. Yeah. I mean, right there, some real meat and potatoes for our vegetarians out there, some real vegetables and squash and onions all mixed together. <laughs> Uh, of an episode right there, an nice. analogy thrown out there. This was a salad of an episode. That's what I'm talking about. Everything mixed together and all driven by you people, by the Rad Parenting community. Please keep these emails coming in. Always email us, radparenting at gmail.com. Um, I love this episode, Anaya, and, and, I, and what I, I think I loved about it so much is that we 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 talked about so many different things, but when I read those back, diversity, bullying, lying, and death, I mean, those four or five episodes, those four or five topics that we have right there, those are almost reoccurring in everyone's yeah. life yeah. as we move through this journey of parenting. Exactly. Love it so much. Keep the emails coming, radparenting at gmail.com. Also write a review on iTunes. Why not? You take a few minutes, you go there. You, we got a new photo too. Oh my gosh, the new icon photo that we have. <laughs> I love. Have you guys seen it? It's a picture of Anae and I that we took in the studio. It was awesome. I made Anae a laugh and then they snapped a photo. Uh, I love that. Keep the reviews coming in. Um, and like I said, let us know. Should we do the live Facebook? Would the live Facebook thing stoke you guys out? You can answer, ask us questions. We would answer it live. Uh, with all of that said, my name is Joe Sib. And Anaya Bo. We're out of here. Late. Late.